I'm Samantha Lewis with Pearson, and I'm so excited to welcome authors Jay Heiser and Barry Render from the number one operations management series in the market. In today's podcast, they're going to be speaking about sustainability. Thanks, Samantha. This is Barry Render, and I'm here with Jay Heiser, my co-author, and we're going to talk about Really, we're going to we're going to base this on supplement five in our textbook, which is called sustainability and supply chains. Um, sustainability, we think, is a really important topic. We're talking about the green movement. We're talking about saving the planet. Uh, we're talking about something that really affects all of us. And I think our students are, are very interested in what goes on in this in this subject. Now, the issue is sustainability. The challenge can take on many forms. Uh, how products are designed so they can be part of what we call the circular economy, how the products can be produced to minimize environmental impacts and energy use, how, how products can be moved logistically, including what we call reverse, reverse logistics at the end of their lives. Yes, Barry, this is an increasingly complicated product because a host of products and supply chain regulations go into effect every year and more on the way. And each additional change exposes organizations to potential penalties, public criticism, and they're found when they're found to be negligent. Well, the issue is complicated, Jay, because many businesses, especially in small and mid-sized ones, have a limited view of their supply chains. As many chains could be multi-layered, we call it multi-tiered, and international, and in some cases made opaque on purpose. Consequently, many firms are struggling to obtain and maintain oversight. Now, there are new European Union rules that require larger companies, these have just come out in the last few years, that require larger companies that are operating there to identify and prevent and remedy risks to human rights and the environment in their supply chains. It's interesting. They're looking at items such as minimum age requirements, worker safety, pollution, and even biodiversity loss. And there are a host of other regulatory developments that are threatening to affect company supply chain. These include modern slavery laws in the US, such as the 2021 Urgar Forced Labor Prevention Act. And Jay, this was in response to uh, what many people have heard about with the use of possibly slave labor in some parts of China to manufacture goods. Yes, Barry. For instance, some businesses, including consumer goods company Unilever in the United States, and clothing retailer H&M and Renfro, who make socks for Ralph Lauren, are turning to techniques, technologies to help gather data on their supply chains and track materials. For instance, H&M is rolling out a traceability platform for its recycled polyester and man-made fibers that contribute to deforestation. The problem is that they have over 600 commercial suppliers who make the products in 1,500 factories in Europe, Asia, and Africa. I can see how that's a problem. Um, on a separate note, though, on a separate issue regarding the sustainability of clothing, we're seeing that clothing companies will be making and selling more garments made from a single material. And this is a major shift in response to a European Union plan to require that clothes be longer lasting and recyclable. You see, clothes often contain a mix of fibers like cotton, synthetics, and polyester. Garments with multiple materials, like a t-shirt that's made with 99% cotton and 1% spandex, are difficult to recycle because separating the fibers 
is tricky. I mean, I myself have always preferred to buy 100% cotton uh, shirts and 100% wool suits because I like the idea of not mixing the, the fabrics together. Well, another, another interesting statistic related to this area is that less than 1% of the world's textile waste is recycled into new clothes. The bulk ends up in trash heaps and landfills. For instance, EU recently established a radical plan that aims to put, I'll quote, fast fashion out of fashion by 2030. This refers to the trend of people buying clothes and throwing them away in less than a year. The EU says that clothes should be long-lived, recyclable, to a great extent made of recycled fibers. Like many men, I'm not very fashion conscious and keep my clothes a long time, so I can probably live with a plan, although I suspect a lot of women can. Well, you know, you say you're not fashion conscious, Jay, but that's not true. I know for a fact that you got a new shirt about three years ago, so you haven't kept your clothes for 20 years. Um, but I do keep, I, I agree with you, I keep my clothes a long time. Um, but let's look at that that firm again that you mentioned, Unilever. They have a sprawling supply chain, listen to this, with about 54,000 suppliers in 150 countries. So Unilever, they try to track their commodities like palm oil and soy with satellites. They try and track it with geographical data. They try and track it with photos. But software that simply manages supply chain data isn't a silver bullet. It's difficult for companies to track the information they get from their suppliers, especially when there are 54,000 of them. For instance, you may have noted that other firms such as Apple are also pressuring suppliers to get on board with carbon neutrality. Apple, for instance, plans to review the work of suppliers to decarbonize their manufacturing, such as running on 100% renewable energy. In 2020, Apple set a goal to reach carbon neutrality across the entire business network, their entire business network, by 2030, aiming to cut emissions by 75% and develop carbon removal projects for the remaining 25%. But the challenge is huge. Getting the supply chains in line with our climate change goals is going to take some doing. Well, a big, a big problem facing these global companies like Apple is that their suppliers are largely dependent on what's feasible locally. Here's an example. Um, most of the energy available to Apple's Chinese suppliers comes from what? Coal. Still, Apple says that more than 200 of its, of its suppliers, 200, have said they'd, they would power all Apple-related production with 100% renewable energy by 2030. Of course, when they, that statistic came out, Apple has a lot more than 200 suppliers, but 200 of them have committed to reaching the goal by 2030. Among these is one you've heard of. It's called Foxconn, which is the biggest assembler of iPhones, and it has operations in China, India, and elsewhere. Well, so Barry, it looks to me like it's going to be slow going, but we seem to be headed in the right direction to take care of our small, livable planet. It may be the only livable dot in our galaxy. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting topic, and it's one that's not going to go away for quite a while. I'm glad we had a chance to discuss it today, Jay. It was good to see you again. Good to chat with you, Barry. Thanks. Thanks.